0: okay <laughs> i did that for y'all so you gotta remember okay so today the the, the title is is, is is be a fervent farmer and the word fervent is not a word that regularly comes from our vernacular we don't use that word a lot in our vernacular we, we it's in the bible and it's an english word so i gave you the the, the meaning of fervent and it means to be passionately intense this word describes my life and my personality. And you think it's exciting on Sunday morning, but it's not exciting 24-7. But anyway, to be passionately intense. And I did that because the scriptures, Galatians 6, 9, Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. This is one of my top ten favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It's the second scripture I ever preached on my whole life. Second, the second scripture ever. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Other translations say this. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. For the appointed time, you will get the reward if you don't give up. Don't grow weary. I have a question, and this is a very, very bold, honest question. How many Christians in here know what it's like to be weary? Weary. Man, listen, when you're weary, let me tell you, you can come to church and you can smile and your makeup looks all good and you got your cologne on if you're a dude and you you, you look like you got it all together, but nobody knows... But you and God—that in reality, deep inside, you're weary. Amen. When you're weary, it's—it's it's, it, when you're weary, it's, it's, you've been praying for that wayward child, and when you first started praying, you didn't think that he was going to be gone that long, and now it's lasted longer than you think, and you're weary. When you're weary, it, you've been battling some, some kind of depression. And at first, you just started coming to church and serving. And you thought, well, if I keep giving and giving, sooner or later it's going to come. And that's true. But what happened is you don't see anything taking place and no changes. Even though the seed is doing something under the ground, because you don't see it, you get weary. You get weary whenever you lose a loved one or you go through a crisis in life. And you thought when it first happened, you thought, well, God will see me through. A year from now, I'm sure I'll be Okay. And it's been five years. And you're weary. You're weary. I was watching a documentary about one of the wars. um, And I don't remember which war it was. But on the documentary, it showed this four-star general. And he was was briefing Congress on everything. And a senator stood up and he asked the general, he said, "Um, What's going on with our troops? And he said, It's not looking good. He said, The war has lasted longer than we thought it was going to last. Our troops are tired, sir. And then he said this, They're suffering from battle fatigue. Battle fatigue is when there's something you've been praying for and believing for and you're going to church and you're honoring God with your tithes and offerings and you're serving in church and nobody knows how awful it is behind the scenes but you and it's because you're suffering from battle fatigue. You're weary. When we're weary, we do things we wouldn't normally do when we're refreshed and energized. When you're weary, you say things you would not normally say, but you're weary. When you're weary, you'll use the word divorce in a fight. Because you've just been going through it for too long and you don't know how much more you can take. And in all honesty, you can take more and God will get you through. But in that moment, you're weary. And you just don't have the energy to keep going forward. When you're weary, you do things you wouldn't normally do. When you're weary, you get offended a lot easier. Some of y'all are squeezing your spouse's hand. Are you listening to the sermon right now? When you're weary, the enemy wants to tempt you to give up. Because if he can't outright defeat you today, he'll just try to put the pressure on you. Week after week, month after month, year after year, until you're so weary you literally just throw in the towel. The problem with that is, as God's word said, if you don't faint, you will reap. And what we do is we sow these seeds in different places in life. And then when we don't see anything happening in our timetable the way we want it to happen, we give up and we walk away from what was supposed to be a great harvest. We abort the seed that we put in the ground because we lost hope, because things got tough, and we're weary. And we think that some magical thing's going to happen if I just keep coming to church and smiling. But the truth is, it takes work to keep on sowing. Anybody can sow when everything's going great. The people that God really wants to bless are those that sow when they're weary. Amen. And they don't give up. The amazing money here, anybody ever grew up on a farm, like, like a real farm, like not you had tomatoes in your backyard here at Market Common. I mean, you actually grew up on a farm. Anybody really grew up on a farm? Really? what kind of farm? My grandfather had a cow and pig farm cow and pig farm what kind of, farm? Kind of vegetable farm vegetable farm my dad grew up on a tobacco farm my grandparents were tobacco farmers here in South Carolina in um what was the name of the city mom what was the name of the city Hemingway that's it Hemingway and my dad says it was tough on the farm is it tough work on a farm yeah. my dad had to walk to school five miles uphill so without shoes on in the snow here in South Carolina, every day, I wanted to say, why didn't you go out for a track with legs like that? You should have been running track in the Olympics. He had to walk 10 miles back home. He just wasn't smart. He took the long way. I don't know what it was. Anyway, I hear that farming is a lot of work. it's a lot of work. But you know, the farmer, when he puts the seed in the ground, he knows something. You can ride by his farm, and you don't see nothing. You ride by his farm, it's just flat ground everywhere. But he knows when the seed got in the ground something happened underneath the soil. The roots started to develop and go down deep and the farmer knows sooner or later he's going to reap. Something's going to come out of that ground and produce a harvest for him. But if he were to get tired and weak and faint and leave that property, somebody else would be there to collect the harvest. My word for it is don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you what? If you faint not. Um, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Isaac. And Isaac was in the middle of a famine. In other words, people were literally fainting. Literally fainting. Not just spiritually, physically fainting. They were dying. There was no water, no crops. And Isaac did something that nobody else in that area was willing to do. And let, me, let me just let me say it this way. Isaac was willing to do something that nobody else in the household was willing to do. Isaac was willing to do something that nobody else at that job was willing to do isaac was willing to do something that nobody else in that circle of friends was willing to do everyone was focusing on the need how tough it was nothing's going my way in genesis 26 12 it says isaac sowed a seed in that land now before i show you the rest of this scripture i want you to focus on the word that he didn't go somewhere else say you know what i'm giving up i'm throwing in the towel it's the fields problem the problem is the field. No, the very place where the problem was, was the place God called him to sow a seed. And at the place you work at, you're surrounded by all those demons, that's a f- perfect place to sow a seed. The place in your household where there's strife, confusion, yelling, screaming, no one's getting along, that's where you need to sow the seed. The place where God has you is the place He's called you to sow a seed. Too many times we think when things aren't going right, we're not seeing what we want let's get out of here let's throw in the towel let's leave this marriage leave this family leave this job leave this place it's the field's fault it's not the field's fault it's the farmer's fault because a good farmer knows where to sow some seed at a good farmer knows when he puts it in the ground it's going to come back up isaac learned something that i've been trying to teach us and that is this what i keep is all i get but what i sow is actually what gets multiplied um, I, I, I'm sure in your life, you've all experienced what it's like to have subtraction and things taken away. I'm sure that you've experienced division. I'm sure that if you if you've done a few things right for God, you see a little bit of harvest. You get some addition. But if you're ever going to experience multiplication in the in, in God's economy, you need to sow the seeds where the problem is. Sow the seeds where nothing good's happening. So the seats where people all around you are fainting and even telling you to give up. There's a true story about this this lady. Um, When she was a young girl, her father uh, molested her all growing up. It was an awful sexual abuse. Uh, It it was also done by either her, her grandfather or her uncle as well, but not just her father, but another family member. It was awful. It destroyed her childhood. destroyed it. As soon as she got old enough to marry, she married a guy... And because of all the internal problems in her life and what happened and not dealing with them, her first marriage failed miserably. It was awful. She got married to a second guy. And this second guy, she made him even twice as miserable as the first guy. She had trust issues. She had insecurity issues. She, um, she, she, She never had peace. It was always just screaming, yelling, and cussing. And this guy, her husband, he told how he wanted to leave her a thousand times over again. The friend said, leave her. The family said, leave her. The pastor said, leave her. Everybody they had in their life said, leave this woman. It'll do her some good. She's she's just the worst. You got to get out of there. And I'm not telling anybody in here to ever stay in an abusive relationship at all, but I'm saying this. God told this man to stay and keep sowing seeds. When she screamed and cussed at him, he spoke words of affirmation to her. Whenever she calls strife, He caused peace and just smiled. When she was full of bitterness, he was quick to forgive. Whenever she wanted to stay home from church, he went to church anyway. Whenever she complained about everything he did in life, he told her how beautiful she was and how great she was. This went on for 35 stinking years. 35, and I didn't want to say stinking, I want to say something else. 35 years. And this man kept sowing. He said he sowed a seed every day, at least one seed a day, and never saw a return. Never in 35 years. 35 years, no return. And then one day, God got a hold of this woman's heart, and he said the first day of her being saved made up for the 35 years of sowing seeds. And today, Joyce, Meyer, and Dave have a ministry all over the entire world. When she tells her testimony, she says, where would I be today if Dave just walked out on me like my first husband did? Listen, I'm telling you, something happens miraculous when you sow a seed in the very place where the problem is. We love to blame the field, blame the farmers next door, blame the staff. But do you know that you have the potential in the seeds god's given you you can actually sow your way out of trouble you can sow your way out of that famine you can sow your way out of that difficult situation so isaac sowed a seed in the land the rest of verse 12 says this in the same year he received a hundred times what it was he sows that's what i call multiplication nothing happens until we sow a seed you say well why isn't God supplying my needs? We say that scripture, God will supply all my needs. Why isn't God supplying my needs? Why do I have this problem? Why isn't God supplying my peace? Why isn't God supplying my, my joy? Why isn't God supplying my finances? Listen, he already did. He gave you the seed. Imagine some people, that all these seeds, fig seeds and apple seeds, and they're like, we're starving to death. We don't have enough to last us another year. What do we do? We let go of the seed. I don't I don't want to let go of the seed. This is all I have. This is all I have. Well, let go of it. Because if it's if it's all you have, it'll be multiplied when you give it to God. People say things like, um, it's a sacrifice to sow. Okay, listen. We just get you the right mentality. It's a sacrifice to hold on. If you want to know how much you're gonna have when you die, keep what you have and what you have right now. It's what you have when you'll die. You look at people that are selfish. They've had the same thing for the past 10, 20 years of life. They're so selfish. They never gain. They don't gain. If you want to know what your destiny holds, not God's destiny for your life, but what your destiny holds, if you hold on to what you have, it's what you have right now. But if you want to know what God's destiny holds for you, you release what it is you have in your life. You sow seed in the ground because what you sow... It's actually a sacrifice to hold on to it. It's a blessing to sow it. That's where the multiplication occurs. When God did this six days of creation, seven and then rested, every living thing He gave a seed. Every living thing, like I told you last week, He has not created any more oranges since the Garden of Eden. Those have been duplicated through the process of the seed. He has not created any more pine trees says the Garden of Eden. The pine tree has been given a seed. If God did not give every living thing a seed, then every time we needed something, He would have to come down from heaven unto earth and say, let there be. Because that's how God created it. Oh, there's, some pine, there's a pine tree. Oh, you want more pine trees? Okay, here I come. Let there be a pine tree. <sniffs> oh, you want a child? Okay, here I come. Let there be a baby. No, he gave us the seed. He gave us the seed. And do you know, it seems like we are the only um, um, uh, the only living thing that loves to withhold the seed. We want to hold on to everything we have. We don't want to give it away. We don't want to see. And we wonder why we're not seeing multiplication or duplication in our life. It's because we're withholding this. We were never created to withhold the seed. Ever. When I think about today's scripture on um, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall re- if you faint not. I think about a young... Girl here at our church, Aslan. She's a wonderful member of our church. Aslan works three jobs. Three jobs. Aslan picks up her cousin on Saturday nights to stay with her so she can bring her to church on Sunday morning. Aslan doesn't just come to church and let us pour into her. She comes to church to serve. She gets here early. She sings in the choir. She works three jobs. Um, The other day, I found out, it was a few months ago, I heard through the grapevine that Aslan had forgotten to bring her tithe on Sunday. So she's driving to church in the middle of the week to bring her tithe up here, and she got a flat tire. Now, I don't know if you know what it's like to get a flat tire in the middle of your day. I have one job, and and you do not want to see me if I have a flat tire, especially because I don't know how to change it. And so it ruins my day. So here she's got three jobs, gets a flat tire, on her way to church to drop off her tithe because she forgot to do it Sunday. When I heard that, I wanted to say, hey, person that told me, call Aslan, tell her to keep her money. She needs it more than the church. Let her get somebody to fix her tire for her. Get her tire. Let her, we, we don't need her money. Da, da, da. But that would be like me saying, don't sow any seeds, hold on to what you have, thinking that a harvest will come if we live selfishly. And the reason I chose Aslan, because people like her, Aslan, one day she's going to get a harvest. It's going to be so big, so huge, People are going to go and say, how did this happen in your life? How did you get to this position? How did God bless you with this? And all she's going to do is say, I didn't faint when I got weary. Not, I didn't get weary. If we weren't going to get weary, the scripture wouldn't have been in there. Don't grow weary. And what do you do if you faint not? We're going to feel weary. The key is, don't faint. Don't stop. Keep sowing seeds. Keep coming to church. Keep working on that relationship. Don't give up. After you've planted those seeds, you want to walk away? No! Keep planting until you see the harvest. I thought about this. It takes the same effort to plant as it does to bury something. You ever thought about that? Same effort. If you were to ask the farmer, how do you plant, and he'll tell you, I'll say, well, how do you bury it? He'll say the same thing. Same effort. In other words, here's what my, here's what my thought life was doing. I was thinking this. I can spend an hour working on my dreams, or I can spend an hour helping somebody else's dream come true. It's the same 60 minutes. I can take the hundred dollars I got and I can go buy me something that I want or I can take the and I can do something for somebody else for the kingdom of God. It's the same hundred dollars. I can cuss you out, spend about 25 words telling you how awful you are. I can take those same 25 words and I can speak affirmation and pray for you. I can gossip, I can pray. I can slander, I can affirm. It's the same amount of words. And selfish people want to bury everything they have Selfish people want to hold on to it and they don't realize it takes the same amount of effort to plant a seed as it does to bury something. Psalms 126.5 says that they that sow in tears will reap in joy. People like Aslan, they may sow sometimes in tears, but I assure you, here's the key, they're going to reap in joy. God's not going to let them stay in that place so long. You know, it's so, so deceitful of the enemy he always wants us to focus on what we need and not what we have. He always wants us to focus on what everybody else is doing wrong and not what seeds we could sow in the middle of that situation. That person may be 99 percent wrong, and you're I'm sorry, not yeah, and one and, percent and right, and you're 99 percent right and one percent wrong, but even in your one percent, you could sow a seed that could get you out of that situation in life. Um, there's a true story about a lady named. Pam. Pam was a missionary years ago in the Philippines. And in the middle of all her missionary work, she had contracted an amoebic dysentery virus, something on the inside, and she fell into a coma. And the missionaries and some of the medical doctors, they saw her and they they pulled her in the medical room and they began to pump her full of these um, um, very, very high-end doses of of, um, steroids and of antibiotics. I mean, just pumped her full of it. It was so bad... That once she finally came out of the coma, they realized that she was pregnant. And they said, Pam, we're sorry to tell you this, but when you were in the coma, we pumped you so full of medicine that we didn't know you were pregnant and there's been irreversible damage that's been done to your baby. You have to abort. Without hesitation, she said, I'm not going to abort. I'm going to have my child. They said, you don't understand. It could kill you and the baby. You got to let it go. She said, I'm not going to do it. Four times during that pregnancy, she slipped in and out of a coma, got sick, and four times the doctors begged her, abort, abort, abort. you got to let it go. you got to let it go. She wouldn't do it. I find in situations like this, the enemy wants us to make a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. When we get weary and we're worn down and we've been battling and we've been screaming and there's strife, and there's chaos, and there's sickness, and there's depression, and there's a lack of finances, and things aren't going well, the enemy always wants to deceive us into making a permanent decision, giving up, throwing in the towel, aborting the sea, because of a temporary feeling of fear or hopelessness. The reason, even in the natural, the reason people abort is because they don't have any hope. It's because they can't see the beauty of the harvest, that what God could do. All they see is this thing inside the womb, and they're afraid, how can I take care of this? What's going to happen? I didn't mean for this to take place. And they don't realize how beautiful that harvest could be. They don't realize what God could do in the harvest, in that child's life. And so they run away from the seed. They abort it. And we do this every day spiritually. And the doctors tried to convince her she wouldn't do it. Finally, she told God, she said, God, If you give me a baby boy, I'll name him Timothy and I'll train him to be a preacher. Sure enough, August, I think the 14th, 1987, Pam had a little baby boy. They named him Timothy, just like in the Bible. He grew up and he became a preacher. He preaches in hospitals. He preaches in in schools. He preaches in prisons. He also plays football as well. Tim Tebow was the first sophomore in history to win the Heisman Trophy. And the enemy tried to get his mom to abort the seed. Listen, you think that's a harvest? You can't imagine the harvest God has in store for you if you keep sowing and don't faint. Don't let the process cause you to abort the product. Don't let the process of sowing and reaping and sowing and doing all the work and coming to church and serving. Don't let all of that cause you to abort the thing that God has in store for you today. I was thinking about if you ever feel weary in your life. I'm sorry, let me say it this way. If you ever don't feel weary, I think your dreams are too small. I think people that are weary are the ones that keep on sowing, keep on giving, keep on coming to church, and they don't see anything happening. They're the ones that get weary. If you're here today and you've never experienced weariness, you don't have enough seed in the ground. You don't have a big enough dream in your life. I have a friend of mine here in church, and um, every Christmas he tells me that he makes his son go in his bedroom and purge his bedroom of toys. Because he knows he's getting new toys, so he tells his son, okay, let's go through the bedroom and you go through everything that you don't play with or whatever it is, and we're gonna give it away. I think some of y'all's whole life would change if you would purge your life. Purge your bank account, purge, I don't mean all of it away, I mean, use wisdom. Purge, the, purge your furniture. Pur, you know, some of y'all, your house would be so much cleaner and your husband would be so thankful if you would purge. Y'all are like, I'm going to purge his closet. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to purge his side of the closet. Purge your clothes. Purge the things God's given you. Give them away. Get some seed in the ground. You say, well, I was going to sell that at a garage sale for 35 cents. I can't give that away. Give it away. You're better off putting seed in the ground than holding on to that $1.50 thing that you're never going to use the rest of your stinking life. You're like, it might be worth money one day. No, it won't. It will not be worth the money. It was never worth money. It's not like just give it away. Get some seed in there. Bake your pastor a cake. Do something like that. That's good. That's selfish. Bake your pastor's wife a cake. Because she's fasting bread right now. So that works out perfect for both of us. Okay. So there's two scriptures here back to back I want to read you. John 12, 24 says, Unless a grain of wheat is planted, it will not produce fruit. And then Jesus said, John 15, 16, I chose you, I put you in the world to produce much fruit. Let me put these two scriptures by Jesus together, okay? I chose you and put you in the world to plant seed so you could produce fruit for my kingdom. Your destiny is to produce fruit. You are here to produce fruit. Let me say this. Your destiny is to plant seed. The seed's destiny is to be planted. Man, I'm telling you, if you ever want to hear a Benjamin Franklin scream, you just pull out a a, a $100 bill and try putting it in one of these boxes in here, he'll scream, don't put me in that box. I'll be all alone. Please, it's dark in there. Please, what is it, Benjamin? Oh, no, there's nothing but George Washington's in there. Don't put me in there. Start screaming. That's what the seed does. Don't release me. Don't plant me. I'm all alone in there. And then when you plant the seed, the, the, the dirt starts saying, man, we got you covered. You're gone or you're done, you're over, you're dead. And the seed says, I have a secret. I'm not buried. I'm planted. I'm coming up out of this. It's going to take some time, a little bit of sun and water, but I promise you, I'm not going to stay in this ground forever. I'm coming up. Somebody say, I'm not buried, I'm planted. I'm, not I'm planted, man. I'm not staying here forever. I'm getting up out of it. I'm going to keep sowing seeds. You can't keep me in the ground. They thought Jesus was buried. He wasn't buried. He was. They thought, they thought Lazarus was buried. Lazarus wasn't buried. He was. Man, that's right. You've been planted. You've been planted. Last, last parable, and then I'll let you go. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 25, uh, verse 15. He, 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 he gave, he's talking about a king that gave away some talents. Okay, everybody say talents. talents. Now in the scripture, talents are money values. Okay, it's, it's money. But we can use it as gifts and talents. We can use it as seed. We can use it as time and energy and caring, okay? There were three men. One of them he gave five talents. Another one he gave two talents. And another he gave one, each according to his own ability. And this is very important. Watch this. This means it we all don't have the same amount of seed. Well, they make more money than me. They should be da-da-da. whoa whoa whoa. We haven't been given the same amount of seed. But I don't sing as good as he does. Hey, we all don't have the same amount of seed. It's not important how much you have. What's important is what you do with what you have. That's what's important. I don't care how mediocre you think your talent is. I don't care how much money you don't have in the bank. It's not important what you have. What's important is what do you do with it? What do you do with it? So two of the three invested their talents. They gave. They, they planted them. They used them. They, they, they blessed people with them. They did great things with what God had given them. And then when they came back, here's what the king or what God said in verse 23. Well done, my excellent servant. Because you've been faithful with little, I'm going to put you in charge of much. Luke's version of the story says, You'll be in charge of many cities in my kingdom. Do you know that your job in heaven depends upon your seeds on earth? I taught you some of that last week. Some of y'all might be cleaning the bathrooms in heaven, some of y'all are going to be in charge of many cities. Now, this might be wrong of me as a pastor. Don't you love what I'm going to say next after that? But anyway, y'all better have better jobs than the Methodist church and the Baptist church down the street. I want us to be in charge of many cities. <laughs> when you go to k today and you see the mother church people in line, you say, I'm going to be in charge of many cities when I get in heaven. I might let you work in one of my rooms down here. On the side. Be in charge of many cities, okay? Many cities. It's so interesting how the third guy responded when the king said, what did you do with it? I used uh, the Greek translation to English word. And in verse 25, he said this, I buried the talent that you gave me. Now, it's, it's interesting. He didn't lose it. He just didn't use it. In other words, he still had it. When he showed up, he said, oh, no worries. I still got it. He maintained. Everybody say maintained. In other words, he just came to church and just enjoyed the service and let us pour into him. He didn't give him the offering. He didn't serve anybody. He didn't help when the body of Christ needed help. When someone was sick, there was no visiting in the hospital. No prayer. He just maintained. He just showed up and maintained. He kept what he had. Didn't lose it. Just kept what he had. Here's how the king responded to him in verse 26. You wicked and you lazy servant. Now, I don't know about you, but there's, 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 this is not what I want to hear God say when I show up in heaven. You wicked and you lazy servant. Now, you want to hear something really good? I'm going to close with this. A socialistic God would have given everybody the same amount of talent. They would have all gotten five or all gotten two if, if God was socialistic. A capitalistic God rewarded the ones who used what they had. So you were the, I don't have what she has. Well, God's not socialistic. He didn't give you what they had. He gave you what He gave you. What are you going to do with what God's given you? Your harvest is your destiny. And the only person that can prevent you from your harvest is you.